When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Know Your Enemy podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'm joined with one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict, as always. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing great, Michael. Doing great. Fantastic. And as always, we like to have a special guest to break down these matchups. Mr. Anthony Cazenza from Cincy Jungle. I hope I said that right. Anthony, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing all right. I, I feel... Like I said before we took the air, I feel bad that I kept you guys waiting around. Uh, kind of a busy night here, but uh, I apologize for that. But I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, oh, our pleasure. We like uh, we, we like really knowing what's going on within these matchups from the other side of the field. So we we do know the last time the Steelers and Bengals played the last couple actually here, the Bengals have uh, taken care of business on a two game winning streak. Is that uh, is that trend going to continue? Do you feel like is this a, is this a winning streak to be built on? I, I here's some great analysis. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> I, I feel like there there is the potential for that to happen. I, I feel like you know Cincinnati is is has built a, a really good roster. Um, you know from top to bottom, uh, there there are some glaring issues. Uh, it's not a perfect team. It's not a perfect roster by any means. But I mean. I feel like this is this is the best team they've had for for quite some time. Definitely since 2015, they've got a lot of excitement on, on this team. Uh, the the Steelers, kind of like really with the entire AFC North and the entire conference, it's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde. So it's kind of like, what are you going to get from week to week from all these teams, right? I mean, Cincinnati can beat 
Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh uh, by, by a couple touchdowns. They can beat Baltimore by multiple touchdowns in Baltimore, and then they can lose to the Jets and get stomped at home by Cleveland, right? Um, Pittsburgh, I mean, they've, they, they've gained a lot of life after not, you know, a lot of people had low expectations for them early this season, and here they are in the thick of the playoff race, but they also tied with the Lions, and, you know, and now they're, they've lost to the Chargers. So it's, it's just so... So many uh, ups and downs for all of these teams. I mean, I wish I could say, oh, you know, there's a clear-cut favorite in this game. In our podcast, my co-host and I kind of agree this this is kind of a coin flip game, it feels like, despite what happened earlier this year. Yeah, with the Bengals, uh, that win against the Ravens, the Bengals were on a fantastic streak. And you kind of get this sense at that point when they just absolutely stomped the Ravens a good one. Everyone's looking at the Bengals saying, like, whoa. Like, we we knew they were going to be a real team, not like the same old Bengals. Uh, and, and you know, they could push for a playoff spot, but all of a sudden everyone's like, holy crap, is this team like a real contender? And then they go out and lose, as you said, lose to the Jets, mm-hmm. get beat solidly by the Browns before bouncing back and beating the Raiders. What what happened? Is this uh, – was it like a, just a hot streak? Were there some injuries? Were this does any of it make sense to you as what happened? <laughs> yes. Yes. And no, uh, there is a culmination of factors. I think for the jets game, that was uh, the last in three straight road games. It was the game right after the Ravens game, which we know the Bengals just, you know, really played very well in that game, but you know, road game, road game, road game, right after the Ravens game, potential trap game. The Bengals didn't play that great in that game, but they also had some critical calls that went against them in that game, particularly at the very end when the Bengals seemingly had a defensive stop and then there was a personal foul. I'm never the guy that says the refs dictated the the overall result, but um, you know there were a couple of calls there that really they had an impact on that game. Regardless, the Bengals didn't play well enough to win for the most part in that one. Uh, and then you know against Cleveland, for whatever reason. The Cincinnati Bengals make Baker Mayfield his best career games always come against the Cincinnati Bengals. And they have no answers against the run. Somehow the Bengals, they're top five. They're ranked fifth overall in terms of rushing yards allowed this year. Yet against the Cleveland Browns, they had no answers for Nick Chubb, no answers for that offensive line. And they got stomped at home. I think this bye week came at the perfect time. I think they were feeling some fatigue, both from the, the three-game road trip, uh, got beat up by the Browns, like I mentioned. And so physically, mo- emotionally, mentally, they just needed that break right at the midway point. The defense came out and played a lot better against the Raiders. The offense kind of was an, uh, up and down against the Raiders this past week. But overall, a pretty solid team win. Not pretty, not you know, super impressive, but again, you go on the road coming out of the bye, you play a team that is also in the playoff hunt and come out with a win there. You got to feel pretty good about things, but look, they just weren't doing the things well in that two game skid that they were doing well at the early early part of the season. You know, Jamar Chase has fallen off a little bit statistically over the past handful of games. Um, The defense wasn't doing the basics of tackling, creating turnovers, any of that kind of stuff. And so it came back to bite them. Uh, came back to bite him in that Jets game and then that Browns game, but um, they they righted some of those wrongs coming out of the bye, it would seem. 
So one of the biggest storylines for both the Bengals and Steelers uh, offense this year is uh, how uh, how well some first-round rookies have played for either team. Now, J- Jamar Chase specifically, he got off to an extremely hot start, but his numbers have kind of tailored tapered off a little bit the last couple weeks. Is that more him hitting a rookie wall or teams just doubling him more or, or just shifting uh, their better corners towards him? What, what are we kind of seeing with that uh, slight production drop-off? There's a myriad of factors. I think Chase himself has dropped a couple of balls that they would be tough catches, but I mean, he's had both of his hands on them. Uh, so, I mean, you go back to the the Cleveland game, there were two that could have been touchdowns on deep passes that went through his hands, uh, had a dropped touchdown early in the Jets game. If you remember how that sequence went against the Jets, uh, the Bengals ended up getting a turnover, uh, an interception, and returning it all the way to the one-yard line and somehow to, to the Jets' one-yard line, and somehow they got zero points out of that. Well, part of the reason was Jamar Chase dropped an easy touchdown in the end zone in that in that series. And so yet, yet there's a couple of plays like that, but then he gives you so much on this big play, the spectacular catches, that sort of thing. Uh, he has gotten in the end zone in, in these this three-game kind of dry spell. He's He had a touchdown later against the Jets, and he had one this week against the Raiders. So he's getting in the end zone still, but uh, he's had some drops. Um, there, there hasn't been as big of production out of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd as either complimentary or you know supplemental receivers. Uh, I really thought this was going to be a breakout T. Higgins year, and it turns out it's a breakout Jamar Chase year. Um, Higgins has had some, some inconsistencies. Boyd hasn't always been a focal point in, in the offensive game plan, but they use that three headed monster kind of early in the season. And that's why they were successful, not doing as much this, this, uh, this kind of these past three games here. So, I mean, it's a myriad of factors. And then you've got Burrow kind of forcing the ball here and there to chase. And and it's a lot of times in tight windows or times when it's not always there, uh, and sometimes that turns into a tip and an interception. So uh, just a myriad of factors. I, I think it'll kind of right the ship as the year goes on. I just don't think we will see, because the explosive plays and the amount of yards and touchdowns that Chase was getting in the beginning of the year, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, if he was able to s- sustain that over 17 games, I mean, that, that would be incredible. It, it just really wasn't truly sustainable. So I think We've had a little bit of a comeback down to reality, but I do think I do think you know things will kind of spike back up. Maybe not where they were early in the season, but they'll spike back up. Now the Bengals last uh, gosh, I'm thinking about quite a ways. They they seem to have a streak of of really good tight ends, like not not like top of the league tight ends, but just very solid tight end play, and they usually show up uh, pretty big against the Steelers in some big moments. Uh, Tell us about the Bengals tight end situation this year. Uh, well, the the main guy, is CJ Uzama, uh, he's had a pretty good year. He's been kind of either feast or famine, though, in terms of his overall production this year. He's had like uh, the Ravens game; he was he had like ninety yards and two touchdowns. And then the Jaguars game, he basically was one of the biggest reasons they ended up coming back and winning that game on Thursday night. Uh, so, I mean, there are a couple of games. He's he's uh, second on the team in touchdown catches with five. Um, a little bit quiet uh, again in, in this lull that the Bengals have had. I mean, this one and two record in these past three games, I guess. So he's been a little quiet, uh, talented guy, athletic guy, and has become a team leader. So he's he's kind of your top guy. Drew Sample is another guy. Um, he's been a little more active in the passing game, but overall he's more utilized as a blocker. They sometimes line him up as an H-back, fullback type of guy. 
Um, he'll, he'll be more active in the run game uh, in terms of blocking and whatnot. Uh, and, and really behind them, it's just kind of, you know, you've got Mitchell Wilcox. He was, he was out last week, um, you know, an undrafted guy from 2020. So really, I mean, the, the main threat there would be, would be CJ Uzama um, and his, his size. And if the Bengals are to, if they're able to properly utilize play action, if they get the type of protection that they like, Joe Burrow has hit some critical, critical passes to CJ Uzama in some of these games. I remember back in week one, in overtime against the Vikings to set up the game-winning field goal on a fourth and fourth and one. It was a play-action rollout, and he hit Uzama in a, in a play that they, I think, the Vikings were 99% certain the Bengals were going to run the football, and they they ran this play. So, um, you know, Uzama is pro- pretty much the big the big guy at tight end to to look out for. So the Bengals offensive line a year ago is one of those units. Uh, they're kind of cursed with a little bit of injury and then just some not the most talented players, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, ranging across that line. But it was one of the things that kind of uh, the Bengals really focused on this offseason, got healthy. And really that first matchup uh, looked pretty good against the Steelers uh, defensive front uh, without TJ Watt. Of course, he may be out again this week. Still don't know his status. But uh, as the Bengals offensive line continue to trend upward uh, like we saw in that first matchup, there are weaknesses to exploit. There are it's it's an imperfect unit, but they are more stable than they have been over the past couple of years. And one of the things I pointed out in our show earlier was the fact you know they're still giving up hits, they're still giving up sacks, and they're still uh, you know some consistency issues on a drive to drive basis in terms of sustaining good good run blocking, sustaining good pass blocking. It's better. It's better than it has been, but it's not great. Um, but one of the areas in which they have seemingly improved is, is in penalties. And so in years past, not only would you have a drive where you'd give up a sack and then you'd have a holding penalty or a false start penalty in the same drive completely just obliterates any kind of progress you were going to make in that drive. Right. So this year they'd have a negative play, not always a sack, maybe a negative run, but they're not compounding those issues with penalties and so then they can they can dig themselves out of a hole and maybe get into a more third and manageable instead of always a third and 12, a third and 14, what have you, third and eight. Uh, you know, maybe you're more in the third and third and fours, third and ones, that sort of thing. So it's a quiet type of improvement in terms of penalties, but it's a big one. Uh, and so it, I think it goes hand in hand with the Bengals bringing in a new offensive line coach this year, Frank Pollock. They also gave him the title designation of run game coordinator. So, uh, you know, I, I think right right now their best offensive lineman is actually their left guard, Quentin Spain. If you look at PFF metrics and whatnot, um, he's been their most solid guy. Uh, you've got some some good play from the tackles in Jonah Williams and Riley Reef, but they've also had issues against some of the premier rushers. Uh, Jonah Williams had some issues against, uh, you know, Ngakwe last week against against the Raiders. Uh, Miles Garrett has gotten in the backfield. So it's better. It's better than it has been, but it's still a, a work in progress. I still think, you know, they, they need to add some talent next year, whether that's right in the first round, high-end free agency talent, what have you. They still are, are, are a piece or two away from being a, a pretty good offensive line. This season, Joe Mixon, uh, if I remember, if I, if I looked at it correctly, he's already set a career high for touchdowns uh for in a season mm-hmm. is this his best year he's played yet I, I his second year in the league was a really really good season 
uh, is he doing better? Would you rate this so far as being better than that, or or is this is he kind of a product of this offense right now? With his I would say this, yeah, I, I would say this is the best I've probably seen him play. And last week, if you go back to last week, um, 120ish yards, four yards a carry, two touchdowns, very workmanlike, right? I mean, just a grind grind out type of performance. The passing game was not working well for the Bengals last week, and so. They really and they said we want to run the ball with Joe Mixon this week. That's what we're doing. That's the game plan. That's what we're doing. We're going to try and find offensive balance. And he responded and he bounced back from a number of negative runs wherein the blocking wasn't there. But then there were other times where the blocking was there and he he would pop off 15 yard gains, 20 yard gains and make him uh, make the Raiders pay. So He's a guy that can really kind of do a lot of different things. I mean, he's a hard runner. He's absolutely massive. He's he's built like a you-know-what house, and, um, you know, he runs tough. He's got some decent speed for his size, uh, can do some things as a receiver. Um, he's, he's had a, a fair share of, of receiving yards and touchdowns this year, and then um, he's improving as a blocker. So he's really trying to be a three-down player. I, I would say this is probably the best – We've seen him play, but it's it's also a lot of things we have seen from him in terms of tough runs and whatnot uh, in years past. I think it coincides with the best offensive line he has had in in a few years. The Frank Pollock coming back uh, as as the offensive line coach, a guy who he thrived under a few years ago when he was here last time, and uh, you know, just I, I think things just clicking a bit more on offense in general. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's it's not by a huge stretch the best he has played but I, I would say it's it's probably the best we've seen he's also healthier right now um you know in years past there was always a game or two where he would either miss or you know maybe even extended more extended periods of time but uh, yeah i i think he's playing some of his best football right now so former pittsburgh steelers corner mike hilton when he uh made the sh- jump over to cincinnati we learned he kind of brought some of the things uh, the steelers secondary did with him like implementing a, a fine system uh by uh, if there's a mistake in practice or whatnot, uh, the some of the other DBs may have to pay some sort of a fine. Uh, and I, I I remember the last time uh, we played the, the Bengals being told uh, that he's been a, a big kind of help for the secondary as they kind of grow in their development. But at the same time, a lot of the stats are kind of coming out that he's blitzing considerably considerably less than uh, over the time uh, he was with the Steelers, and he hasn't gotten a sack yet as a member of the Bengals. Uh, does his on-field success uh, show the amount uh, that he's actually kind of worked with the rest of the group? Is he uh, as talented or is, is he actually putting up the numbers that you would hope from him? Or would you kind of hope that the, the coaching staff might use him a little bit differently? I would argue that Mike Hilton was my personal favorite offseason addition and, and by the Bengals at the time. And I think that I thought that way because, number one, he had a lot of respect around the league for, as a slot corner and just a physical guy, obviously taking a, a quality player away from a division rival. All of that kind of plays it plays into a thing where you go, hey, that's that a pretty savvy move by the Bengals, right? Um, I would say the stats are not there at this point uh, in terms of big plays and whatnot. He had a he had a very nice play last week at a critical uh, stop. Uh, the Bengals had fumbled the ball away on their first series gave the Raiders great field position um, and you thought they were going to obviously make that into a touchdown and the Bengals defense held strong and it was in part by a nice tackle for loss by Mike Hilton. So, um, you know, uh, he's had a couple of nice moments there. He hasn't had the huge, huge plays like the sacks and things like that. 
but I think it's, it's kind of also a more locker room effect. And I go back to when the Bengals grabbed James Harrison a, a little bit. Now James Harrison uh, at that point in time was it towards the end of his career. Of course, when he came back to the Steelers, he was like incredible for another year or two, but um, you know, the Bengals didn't use him to his respective strengths always as a pass rusher when they had him on defense, but he was like a locker room guy. He was a guy that just kind of brought that nastiness, brought that attitude from, from Pittsburgh. And it, it, you know, kind of seeped through the locker room. And I think Mike Hilton with the coming from a traditionally winning team and, and bringing that winning mentality, bringing that swagger and bringing all of the things that he brings while the stats may not show it on the, uh, you know, on the, on the stat sheet and whatnot, he's, he's had an impact on this defense. And I think he is just one of a lot of different parts. Jadobia Wuzier, the other corner, who's a boundary corner. He's been a nice pickup in free agency by the Bengals. Um, you know, they've they brought in a couple of interior defensive linemen, Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns, BJ Hill from the Giants. Those guys have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, big impact kind of guys. DJ Reader's healthy as a nose tackle. He's been excellent. So it's kind of a combination of a lot of factors where you're seeing this defensive improvement. Hilton has been a part of it, even though the stats don't show it. Um, still waiting for some of those high impact plays, interceptions, sacks, that sort of thing to kind of come here. But um, yeah, his impact's been felt. Jesse Bates, uh, obviously, should be well known by by anyone, especially in inside this uh, inside the AFC North. But how's how is he doing? How's his season been? And uh, lastly, is he the is he the best free safety in the AFC North? Well, <laughs> uh, you're you're really trying to pin me yeah. pin me to a wall there a little bit. Um, you know, uh, classic. Look, it's it's. Um, it's, it hasn't been the normal season for Jesse Bates in terms of amounts of turnovers and whatnot. He's always kind of that three interception guy, a couple of big plays last year. He was outstanding. And uh, I think a lot of people thought that he should and would get a contract extension by the, by the Bengals. And it didn't happen. I think there was maybe an offer out there, but they seem to be pretty far apart right now. It would seem he's probably a franchise tag guy next year as his contract expires. Um, it ha- he hasn't played as well this year. He has admitted that. The pro football focus scores indicate that uh, he had the one big interception against the Jets. Uh, that's that's kind of been his biggest play. He had a couple of nice plays last week against the Raiders in uh, in run support and, and against screen passes and whatnot. So he had a couple of nice plays there. Uh, again, a guy that just hasn't had those high impact game changing plays as frequently yet this year. Um, he admitted that maybe the contract thing was in his head. Maybe you know just a little bit of different responsibilities because of the personnel that they've added uh, on the defensive side of the ball the past couple of off seasons. So a little bit of a, a role change potentially, but he's also, if, if you go back and look at some of his stats, I feel like he's always been kind of a tale of two seasons within a season guy. Like he plays a, a certain way, either bad or very good one half of the season. Um, and then kind of reverts back or, or leaps forward the second half of the season. So I think the hope is that maybe he's played at average, maybe close to above average this first half of the season. And now he kind of hits his stride, admits that he's had his mind elsewhere, or maybe some other factors are at play and really starts to kind of hit his stride uh, as the the playoffs are looming here. But um, yeah, as far as, you know, I think if you would had, if you would have asked me last year, is Jesse Bates the best free free safety in the division? I would have said, yes, it's close. Um, 
I, I think it's pretty neck and neck based on kind of what we've seen right now uh, from, from Bates. Both guys are excellent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Both guys are excellent. Um, but I, I think again, if he, if he picks up things the second half of this season here, we may have another conversation about it. And uh, I don't know, but I think, it, I mean, you can't really go wrong with either guy. They're, they're both really good. Is that yeah, diplomatic I, enough? That was diplomatic. Right? <laughs> that was a great answer. Right down the middle. Love it. That was perfect. But uh, to know, now scout your own defense here. Um, where sh- should the Steelers attack with the football? Where can the Steelers find success uh, when they're on offense? Well, before last week, I would have said Eli Apple. Uh, he is stepping in as a starting corner. As you guys probably remember, he was a first-round draft pick by the Giants and was has largely been a disappointment throughout his, his NFL career. Um, came to the Bengals, had a connection with Lou Anarumo from his time with the Giants. Um, was was kind of slated as a number four, number five guy coming as a corner on this team. And then with Trey Waynes out, he was uh, the guy who had to step in and start. So Wuzier is playing very well on the other boundary. Eli Apple has had some ups and downs. He had an excellent game last week uh, had an interception was about 90 overall PFF grade just was basically lockdown type of guy last week. Um, I don't know that he's going to sustain that from week to week, but he is getting more comfortable with more playing time and, and with the coach he's familiar with and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would have immediately pointed, pointed you that way. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know that he can play like that on a game to game basis. I still think that's a guy that Ben should look at. Um, You know, Logan Wilson had a great, great first five, six games for the Bengals this year. He has fallen off a little bit from a production standpoint, big play standpoint. I don't want to say you go after him, but that's just something to kind of monitor. You guys probably remember in the first game, he had those two interceptions and just was seemingly everywhere in that game. Um, We haven't really seen the same type of play since basically the Ravens Ravens game out of Logan Wilson. Um, so those are, those are kind of some of the, some of the areas that I, I think you want to, you want to look at. The Bengals are also missing Akeem Davis Gaither. He's on IR. He's a guy who's a really athletic linebacker, a guy they used in pass coverage here and there. Um, so, you know, in, in different sub packages, that may be an area in which, uh, they want to exploit. And for some reason, especially against the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger just needs to hit a tight end. The Bengals always have trouble covering a tight end, especially a pretty good one. Friermuth's looking like the next in line of the next great Steelers uh, Steelers tight end. I I said when they drafted him, I'm like, watch the chance going to be Muth, right? And so, because I remember Heath, right? <laughs> Heath, and I, yep. I'm like, watch it'll be Muth, and of course that's that's what's what's happened. But he looks like a really good player. I would expect that, uh, especially if Ben wants to get in a groove, that's a guy he should look to. Now, the Bengals have had a lot of turnover in their defense, as we've talked about throughout this, bringing in different people. Uh, and yet, that defense is is pretty much a top 10 defense this season. Uh, if you look at their their you know points per drive given up and their yardage and their different per play stats, uh, they're a top 10 unit. Do you... Do you credit that to the, you know, the the assembling of the parts together? Was that was that the design of who they brought in to fill different roles? It, would you credit that more to the defensive coordinator in the scheme, or is this is this just an overhaul of talent that came in and and is is driving this? I, I think it's the culmination of a couple of different off seasons of free agency acquisitions, wherein they heavily focused on the defensive side of the ball. 
I mentioned DJ Reader, a guy they brought in in 2020 in free agency, uh, paid him handsomely, unfortunately missed most of last year, but is playing excellent this year. Uh, I mean, at nose tackle, though, he's only, you know, getting about 50, 60 percent of the snaps, depending, um, you know, he's, he's rotated out of there, but he's he's playing really well. Larry Joby's kind of a, you know, he's a feast or famine type of guy in terms of he'll he'll have a couple of huge plays, but then he'll also be out of position to let up a huge play type of thing. But he overall has been a good acquisition. B.J. Hill, I mentioned his name earlier on the interior. He's been a good acquisition. Hilton, Wouzier. So I think it's I think it's a culmination of the acquisitions that they've made. I think it also just they're just a lot healthier this year. Last year they were grabbing guys off off the street, you know, street free agents that were coming in and starting. Um, I mean, these are guys that were out of football and they're coming in and starting games for them and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, they're just way way healthier this year. Knock on wood, and I think that's that's a big thing. And then everybody's getting more comfortable. It's Anarumo's third year as the Bengals' defensive coordinator. He kind of has quote unquote his guys. Like I said, they're healthier and they're just understanding the system a bit more. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just a, a group that's kind of playing a little bit more in unison and, and is healthier than in years past. With how the Steelers schedule has been shaping up, one of the things I've uh, been talking about in, on social media and on other podcasts is that they are desperate to win these next two divisional games that the Steelers have in front of them especially with how hard uh, things kind of uh, start to become for them after these next two matchups. But can the Bengals survive a divisional loss and still be in the thick of the playoffs and in the thick of the AFC North race? Or are they in a situation where they need to start stacking some divisional wins if they want to be division champions or to just flat out make the playoffs? They can, and they can because they're two and one in the division right now. Um, I, I think ideally if the Bengals are going to be taken seriously, I, I said going into last week, every single one of the eight games remaining when the Raiders were on the schedule, they play teams that are either currently slated to make the playoffs or right outside the playoffs, looking right in and and trying to shuffle back in. So they play a lot of teams right in the thick of things, including the Steelers. So, and, and three division games remaining. So they can, they can afford to lose this game. If, if this is the one that you're referencing or a division game, but that would mean they probably need to sweep the Ravens and get the win against the Browns, or they need to sweep the Steelers and then get a win against the Ravens or the Browns, you know, whatever the case may be. I think they need at least four division wins in order to get and really for this division to kind of start sorting itself out. It's just a, a kind of cannibalizing each other, right? It's just like they, they win, they lose, they win, they lose, and they're just treading water, it seems. So um, can they afford it at six and four? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be ideal and they really need to make up ground afterward. But uh, this is, this is one, I think, especially at home, you already took care of business on the road with Pittsburgh. I, th- I think you gotta, you gotta be able to to lock this one up if you're going to really make a strong push for the playoffs. So as we approach uh, the halfway point of our show here, uh, Jeffrey, do you, do you have any uh, final questions you want to get uh, off? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, so we have a, a couple closing questions for you here, uh, Anthony. Uh, first and foremost, to put you completely on the spot, who's going to win on Sunday and what's the final score? I, I said this, I think maybe before we took the air here, I mean, flip a coin on this one for me. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see the same result that we saw a couple of weeks ago. And, and I, you know, I know there's been a rivalry and I know the Steelers don't even really look at the Bengals necessarily sometimes as rivals, but um, I, I always 
from the Bengals side of things, I always marvel at what Mike Tomlin has done and how, how the Steelers organization is run and all kinds of different things. Um, you know, I know there's some bad blood here and there, but I mean, I always marvel at it. And I, why I say that is because again, the expectations weren't very high for the Steelers from a lot of different standpoints going into this year. Um, and here they are right in the thick of things again. And, and even in these games, you think they're, you think they're dead. You think they're dead against the chargers and here they get, I mean, they come back and they get this incredible lead. It's just, you know, they just never die. So, um, you know, I, I, I did, I guess, pick the Bengals uh, maybe by a couple of points, maybe by the spread, which I think is at about three and a half points right now. Um, but that tells you because it's at in Cincinnati and the Bengals are favored by three and a half points. I mean, it's basically a, a overall, it would have been a pick them. Right. I mean, so uh, I, I guess maybe just because of the home field advantage Bengals take, I would say the Bengals take care of business, but it would not surprise me at all if the Steelers end up winning this game. Well, good stuff. Now, the last thing for you, if there's anything you want to plug for the people. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at CJAnthonyCUI, and I write for Cincy Jungle. It's the, the uh, counterpart here to Behind the Steel Curtain in the SB Nation Network. Podcast is the Orange and Black Insider, so uh, check it out. And I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, again, I apologize for being late and holding up the show here, but uh, appreciate you having me on. Oh, no, it was our pleasure. Thanks uh, for coming on, Anthony, and uh, good luck on Sunday. Yeah, back at you. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Now, for all your uh, Steelers fans uh, still tuning in here, we are going to get into our break and uh, jump into the Steelers side of things. So if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're listening on the podcast side, you're going to want to go over and click to part two now. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. 
You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.